Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Well, it's not just us who has Minnesota sports flowing through their veins. It's also our guy, Darren Doogie Wolfs in Channel 5 Eyewitness News and Scoop uh, podcast um, extraordinaire. And the timing, Darren, is perfect because as we record this on Tuesday at 1225 p.m., word has come down that Carlos Correa, after strike one against the Giants, after strike two from the Mets regarding his uh, failed physical has agreed to a six-year contract with the Minnesota Twins pending a physical, but reports are that the majority of that physical has been resolved, and so we don't expect his ankle issue, the main sticking point in San Fran and New York, to be a problem here. The floor is yours. What can you tell us about what has been a whirlwind of a winter when it comes to Correa and now the Twins? Yeah, good afternoon, Judd. Hello, Declan. Judd, I look forward to the ESPN 30 for 30. (laughs) <laughs> on this saga. I yeah. mean, so many twists and turns. I can tell you, as recently as over the weekend, two high-ranking Twins officials were convinced he'd still be a New York Met. This was in reaction to what Jim Bowden, the former Reg GM, he does serious satellite radio, former Washington Nationals front office executive. He certainly has connections. He tossed out over the weekend, hey, it's trending in the Twins' direction. Well, two high-ranking officials said, we still think he will be a Met. Our sense is he wants to be a Met. Now, I've always been surprised that he was willing to move at this young age to third base. Like, that to me surprised me. As close as he is with Francisco Lindor, I still thought a year removed from a platinum gold glove yep. that he wasn't willing to move in his 20s. Three, four, five years from now, sure, but not right now but that he looked at the Mets and said, okay, big market, quicker opportunity to win. My good friend Lindor is there. Okay. But after, what is this now, 21 days in? I believe this is day either 20 or 21 from the Mets verbal agreement. The longer this went on, Judd, it certainly had the optics of, okay, the Twins have a shot. Now, I was never... Like, I never had the intel to excite the fan base because just based on Steve Cohen's New York Post comments in December, knowing some of the other stuff I'd heard about Correa and his, you know, desire to be in a very big market, thinking the Mets would find a way to rework the contractual terms. Yeah, my sense was that he would ultimately end up a Met. So am I mildly surprised as we sit here on Tuesday afternoon? 
Sure, mildly, but as long as the player was still out there, knowing the Twins were closely monitoring the situation, were remaining engaged with his representation, sure, there was always a chance. But I didn't want to put anything out on social media until, you know, there was further clarity. Well, that clarity came late last night into today with this six-year, $200 million agreement. You're right. A lot of the physical has already taken place. The Twins are comfortable or where things stand. I mean, I don't think there are going to be hiccups. Now, I didn't necessarily think there would be hiccups with the Mets based on those Cohen comments to John Heyman in the New York Post. But, like, at this point, I don't think there's going to be a fourth chapter. Like, I think this is it, that he is going to be a twin. What surprises me the most is the Mets were willing to do something comparable to the Twins six years with some vesting options, but wouldn't touch the $200 million figure. And a seventh-year vests based on 502 plate appearances in year six. It can get all the way up to 10 years, $270 million. There is full new trade power for Correa, is my understanding. So like Carlos, you know, he gets a lot of things in this deal. But think about six, seven weeks ago, the deal he agrees to with the Giants yep. to now where we are today. Now, on an annual basis. You know, outside of Aaron Judge, you know, Trey Turner can't say he has this on an annual basis, right? Xander Bogarts can't say he has this, Dansby Swanson, but those guys have term. They have the double-digit years. Not all of them, but two of them, right? Turner and Bogarts. You know, a lot has to go right for Correa to get to that point. I will also say on the medical side of things, my sense is the Twins are, you know, however you want to term it, a bit more conservative, offering a bit more leash. Like the Twins look at it and say, okay, 2014, now nine years later, there hasn't really been a hiccup. Like we think he'll be okay, but we'll get some protection there in the back end of the contract. But like that's why I say I certainly see this deal getting to the finish line, the Twins officially announcing this contract, holding a news conference at some point before the month is over. All right, Dukes. I don't mean to be Buzz Killington, but I'm going to turn this around on on another vein with the Twins. So they're signing Carlos Correa, game-changing shortstop. I love what he's able to do. He's he's obviously one of the best in the game at his position, Uh, whether that's at third base or shortstop. He's a a game-changing player for sure. But the Twins, from my vantage point here, haven't really had a legitimate backup plan in their free agency outside of, you know, Joey Gallo, Kyle Farmer, what is their plan with pitching? Are they just going to bank the fact that, hey, we had some bad injury luck, we have some veterans coming back? Does this accelerate any other thing to get the legitimate pitching? Because to me, Dukes, this just looks like the same 2022 team that played below 500 for more than 50% of the season. Declan, more is coming. As you look at the starting rotation, I will be very, very surprised when we talk, whether it's in two weeks or two months, before opening day, if the twin starting rotation as it looks right now, is that when we revisit this back and forth? More is coming. I can't tell you exactly who. I mean, they've engaged Miami on Pablo Lopez. Heck, I know Trevor Bauer is about to hit the market, right? Falvey has the history in Cleveland. Thad Levine was a college teammate of Trevor's agent. Right. So there's that relationship. 
right? I mean, they'll do their due diligence. Me personally, with that sort of baggage, you know, the off the field, but even in the clubhouse, like yeah, you talk exactly. to people with LA, with Cleveland, you know, even in Cincinnati, I mean, you know, there were some enemies there, right? So, you know, that's a slippery slope, but talent wise, there's no denying that Bauer could certainly help some team, but you have everything else you would have to deal with. And just knowing how the twins take the temperature of, you know, a good portion of the fan base. Like, I think a lot of people would tune them out. I think the the blowback would be severe. But I can sit here and suggest, like, the name is going to come up if it hasn't already at Target Field, right? It, it at least has to come up internally, mm-hmm. right? And may even turn into an external conversation because of Thad Levine's relationship with one of Bauer's agents. But there's some other guys potentially out there, right? We're still curious to see what the Milwaukee Brewers do. I just know there's been dialogue on Lopez with the Marlins going back sometime. So that certainly would be a name, you know, with them signing Johnny Cueto this morning, or at least there's a verbal agreement. I guess I can't say sign until the physical is passed. The deal's officially announced. But I will be curious to see what the Miami Marlins now do after adding Cueto. Them trading Lopez. For some offensive help, whether that would be Louis Arise, Max Kepler, maybe both in a large deal. But like that would certainly be a name that I would keep an eye on. Plus, there still is interest. You know, they were engaged for a while on Carlos Rodon. Heck, going back to before he signed with the Giants, you know, then this go around, they certainly were engaged, had the face to face meeting with him early in free agency. There still is interest in adding a lefty starter. Can't necessarily give you a specific name right this second. Plus, they remain in some dialogue on Michael Waka, who, you know, we can debate how much he would help the rotation, but he is currently the best available free agent starter. Off that point, Dubes, as well, I, I think there was a And let report. me just add, before Bauer, there's still a couple days here where Bauer's in DFA limbo. Right. When Bauer presumably clears all this in like two or three days, yes, talent-wise, he is the best free agent pitcher. But as I sit here on January 10th, it would be a, the best it'd be a disaster. It, it would be a disaster. It, it wouldn't fly here. Um, as far as I think it was two months ago or so, or a month ago, I read a report that also said the Twins might be open to trading either Maeda, Gray, or Mally, uh, because all all three of them, I think, are um, are going to be free agents after the 2023 season. Do you see any scenario in which they package one of those pitchers and, let's say, Kepler and something to try to get a starter with more team control who they consider to be a potential upgrade as well. Well, I mean, like, there's nothing imminent as far as I can tell. I mean, I mean, Gray's the one who, if, who would have value. Yeah, if you're another team, I mean, you need to see Maeda. You need to see yeah. Mally right on the mound. Gray would be the one. In spring, Gray would be the guy. There's no buzz right now. Like, I think there's a better chance the Twins try to sign him to a two or three or four year extension. Not that you know, talks have picked up on that front. Talks will pick up because Mally arbitration eligible. We've got the deadline to file here before the week is over. So I know, you know, some talks will pick up on, on a Mally contract, whether it's just 423 or beyond those talks will pick up starting tomorrow. Those usually pick up the last 48 to 72 hours. So I know talks will pick up on the Mally front and all these other guys that are, that are arbitration eligible that haven't agreed 23 contracts like Kyle Garlick was, but he agreed to a sweetheart deal. Otherwise the twins were going to cut him free, but 
There's some other guys, Steel Bar, right? I mean, I don't have the full list in front of me, but all those sure. guys that are arbitration eligible that haven't agreed to terms yet for 23, those talks will will pick up. But to answer your inquiry, I mean, it would just be gray. It wouldn't be Malley or Maeda. I would be surprised at this point if the Twins moved gray. But not to suggest he's untouchable, right? Like, yeah, I mean, the right offer comes along. Yeah, Judd, they would they would trade him. I just, I'm just say, saying, hey, like, yeah. they're not they're – not, against trading Louis Arise, right? The batting champ, right? So, yeah. like, they're open-minded to all sorts of possibilities. So, you know, I wouldn't rule it out, but as I sit here today, there's no, like, there's no great steam on on a sunny gray trade. Do you think, Doogie, that this Correa deal and involvement, which was quite extensive, do you think that it's the same if it's Jim Polad instead of Joe Polad overseeing things at least from a day-to-day operational standpoint. Did did Joe Polad being involved now change the Twins' thinking at all in your mind? No. Well, put it this way. I mean, you know, Joe's more omnipresent. I mean, he has an office at Target Field. He's there on a regular basis. Jim was not there on a regular basis, right? So, you know, just in some day-to-day chatter, yes, from that standpoint. But put it this way, if Jim were still the chairman, not Joe, I still think this deal gets done. I do. Six years, $200 million, chance to get it to 10, 278. Yeah, I firmly believe if Jim was still, you know, the guy, that Correa agrees to these terms. As far as, as uh, Correa goes as well, Dukes, what, what do we know about w- what transpired in 2014 when he broke that, that leg? Because it surprised me that this became such a sticking point when we really hadn't talked about it or heard much until the Giants physical, what what do we know about that? And and is there any concern about the fact that I know that Correa came up, hobbled a bit and it looked bad late in the season, if if you recall, he slid, I think, in the second base. And he said that he, I've got a plate in my leg, basically, and it was vibrating and I had to wait for it to calm down. And once it did, I, I was fine. I'm just curious to go there. Because uh, this was definitely not something that got discussed when he signed here on what amounted to a one-year deal last winter or last March. What do we know about this? And and like, is six years seen as sort of the ticking time bomb thing here? Like, I, the Mets and Giants wouldn't have dismissed this completely unless there was a genuine concern here. And my last point, too, is I'm willing to bet from an insurance standpoint that at least came up that you could probably get a six-year contract insured. You probably couldn't get 10 or more insured. Well, yeah. Total I mean, gap. With the insurance policy, yeah, no chance on 10. You would revisit it after likely five. You might have been able to get to six here. Heck, even at five or six, you probably, with the the magnitude of this deal, probably need to involve multiple insurance companies. It may not just be one, but sure. Yeah, I mean, the insurance policy is going to be nuts on this, but you would revisit it after five. Like you would never be able to get 10 years. I mean, even with the Yankees right on the Aaron judge deal or the Phillies on the Trey Turner deal, you're not able to insure for that long. Like you would absolutely revisit it after in all likelihood five years. I mean, it's what you said. I mean, it's, you know, what took place in, in Kansas city, you know, him referencing the, the metal plate. Yeah. I mean, it really hasn't been a thing because you know, it's never caused him to be on the injured list. Right. It just, you know, the back was more an issue than than the metal plate in the leg. But it is a thing going back to an injury in his early pro career, a couple of years in, 
in the minor leagues, I mean, yes. I mean, he had a pretty major surgery, but it hasn't had an impact, right? So who's to say it's all of a sudden going to have an impact year nine, year 10, afterwards, year 11. Now, you know, is it possible? You know, I'd love to hear from a medical expert, even if they haven't, you know, clearly seen the the x-rays, have, have you know, intimate knowledge of the situation just in general like can a bone die like the bone that's right there with the plight is that the concern that he's looking at you know arthritis you know things of of that magnitude I mean that would be something you know that that would make sense to me I mean clearly something's there right Judd I mean when you fail multiple physicals right I mean twins fans have every reason to be thrilled right now but let's not forget, you know, they finished third place, still get the guy, but like there's plenty of questions that need to be asked about failing a Giants physical, then failing a Mets physical, especially after the owner of the Mets went on the record with the comments that he did. Right? So different teams, you know, look at physicals differently. It's going to be an extensive physical, make no mistake on that, but like think about Chris Paddock, right? The Mets nicks a deal for Paddock with the Padres because of medical concerns. The Twins are like, okay, we're we're fine with it. Let's make that trade, right? You think about Rocker, you know, the, the pitcher out of Vandy. You know, he's now in the Rangers organization, but the Mets drafted him a year ago, right? Couldn't come to an agreement over medical concerns. We've seen these medical concerns a lot, but there is a sense, you know, going back to the Twins trading for, you know, Sam Dyson. You know, even trading for Tyler Malley, yep. right? That there's a little bit more leash there that the Twins are willing to to deal with when it comes to the medicals. By the way, the Twins did announce a pitching trade from Dustin Morse here just five minutes ago. They have acquired right-hander A.J. Alexi, I believe it is, from the Nationals, a minor league pitcher. Uh, had a cup of coffee with the Rangers at the MLB level last season. An ERA of 11 in four games appeared. Uh, so that he is added to the forty-man roster. They DFA'd Oliver Ortega to make that news happen. So, yep, just reading that right now. The they give up minor league right-handed pitcher Christian Jimenez and yeah, Oliver Ortega, designated for assignment or yeah, release or assignment. He was claimed off waivers from the Angels uh, three day, four days ago. Yeah, January sixth. So yeah, just looking at that email right now. So thank you for that heads up. But I expect more, Declan, right? I mean, that's not that's that not one. the end goal. That's, that's that wasn't a more type move, right? I mean, it's that time of the year. I mean, you're making all sorts of yeah. different offers, minor league offers, you know, with an invite to big league spring training. You know, you get Castro, the former Tiger. Hey, that's a good get on a minor league deal. You tried to get a hard-throwing righty. His name is not here in front of me, but he ended up choosing the Blue Jays over the Twins. You'll win some in that regard. You lose some. Just like big league free agency, but same deal with, minor league free agency you make all sorts of offers you get some guys other guys you don't get latest on the always head scratching timberwolves dukes the last time we talked i think we were shoveling dirt on the grave and now they've come out storming again so what what are we to make of what has to be um a team that nobody understands at this point yeah well i mean yeah better the last four games right with the four game winning streak It's clear as day that Kyle Anderson helps Rudy Gobert a ton. He's a smart player, by the way. Prince, Kyle Anderson's nice. I mean, I figured that when I heard in the summer that the Miami Heat had all sorts of interest. I mean, Miami Mm. 
is as smart a front office as there is. So when Miami had interest in the player, certainly Memphis had some interest in re-signing him. You know, you see how successful Memphis is. Phoenix was another team, right? So, I mean, when you hear the teams that had interest in Kyle Anderson in the summer, you're like, okay, you know, plus his body of work in San Antonio and in Memphis. But you just watch. I mean, he has a sizable impact on on Gobert. And then Torrey and Prince, after missing the 20 games, you see the difference he is overall. They have a chance. I mean, Judd, you know, I sat here in this spot last Tuesday suggesting, where do you see on this schedule a chance to win five or six consecutive games? Go on a run where you win yeah. eight of 10, <laughs> nine of 12. I mean, that's pretty much verbatim what I said. Well, here we are, four-game winning streak in Detroit tomorrow, presumably a win. You get then Phoenix at Target Center on Friday. Have you seen all the guys dinged up for Phoenix? Devin Booker out, Chris Paul out right now. DeAndre Ayton questionable for their next game. So he's dinged up, Landry Shamit. I mean, outside of Mikael Bridges, pretty much everybody on Phoenix is dinged up. I mean, the Wolves should beat Phoenix on Friday night. Saturday, tricky game. J.B. Bickerstaff, my guy, the Cleveland Cavaliers, here on Saturday, mm-hmm. right? And Cleveland doesn't play on Friday night. So the Wolves have the back-to-back. I mean, that's where the Wolves took advantage. I mean, this four-game winning streak, hey, you know, kudos to them. They don't need to apologize for winning. But you get Denver on Monday after Denver played Sunday at home against Boston. Denver doesn't get here until 3.30 in the morning, 4 in the morning on Monday, right? So, you know, Denver was tired. You think about the Clippers on Friday, no Leonard, no George, plus the Clippers played Thursday night in Denver. So just like the Nuggets here on Monday morning, the Clippers on Friday morning didn't arrive until about 4 a.m. The Portland wind, nice, overcoming a 20-point deficit in Houston. Nice, but why did you get to that point to begin with? I think this is pretty much who they are. I still don't see a pathway to them getting to the 46 wins they got to last year. Now, the comeback to that is it was about this time last year that they took off. It's not like this team was great in November and December last year. They took off about this time last year, played incredibly well the rest of the year, got to the 46 wins. I just don't know if I see them getting to 46 this year. But it may not matter. I mean, you may be at 43 or 44, and there may be a legit pathway to the sixth seed where you avoid the play-in because that's how crazy the Western Conference is. I mean, it's just nuts. They're really outside of Memphis. Nobody can create legitimate separation. And so it may be like this. You know, we're at the halfway point, Judd. I mean, the Wolves have played exactly half their schedule. 20 and 21, 41 games of the 82. We're at the exact halfway point of the schedule. That's mm-hmm. a pretty large sample size. This is who I think they are, and I think it's who the Western Conference may be in large part. There will be an outlier or two, right? But I'm telling you, like 40, last year 46 got you the seven seed in the play-in. You were like a game or two away from avoiding the play-in. It may not take 48 or 49 wins to avoid the play-in. That's just the way it it looks right now. All these teams are beating each other up on a nightly basis. On Carl Anthony Towns, I can tell you he's ramping up his activity on the court. He's been doing some boxing off the court. So with the calf, I mean, the activity level is pretty legit right now, but it still may be weeks. Like, I don't know if he's back in a week, you know, so it may be even February at this point. I always thought he'd be back before January was over, but it could potentially be February at this point. Jordan McLaughlin, absolutely out for multiple more weeks. So it would be nice 
for the Wolves to have their full collection of guys, yep. but at least for the foreseeable future, no Cat, no McLaughlin. So what has Finch found then? And and how much can he, like, because you're, you're right. Gobert and Anderson seem to have a really good working chemistry. Uh, and I'm just curious, like, when Cat comes back, what happens to that? Like, there's just so many. I still don't. I still don't know how the pieces, and I don't think the Wolves know this either, how do the pieces of the puzzle fit together ultimately? Because there's guys that you're going to have to play, um, and it's just been, it's like been pulling teeth just to get here so far. Then you think about the playoffs. Yeah. How will the loose pieces fit, right? I mean, that's that's been the big question going but it's back to hard, July. Dude. Okay, like, the Wolves in the regular season should be pretty good. Yeah. But how do you play Gobert in the postseason? Do the warts with Gobert get exposed that much more like they did in Utah? But, yeah, I still think there are questions about the regular season. That being said, this team is better off with Cat than without Cat. Like, you want Cat back I'm just as asking soon works. as possible. But, sure, yeah, internally, I don't think they have every single answer on that front. But you'll find a way. I mean, Cat is going to play. They're going yeah, to have Cat and Gobert on the court Absolutely. plenty together. Right? I mean, one thing that has worked – is D'Angelo Russell, you know, not being the facilitator in crunch time, you know, other times where he's playing off the ball a good amount. Anthony Edwards is starting to take that third-year leap that many of us expected. Then, yeah, certainly Torian Prince, Kyle Anderson. You know, let's not forget about Anderson missing the games he missed, you know, those back spasms. You know, Mm -hmm. there were so many games questionable, and and then he wouldn't play. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, now that he's, he's back, back can be tricky right so i'm not ready to say like kyle anderson is good to go for the rest of the year we'll have to monitor that but right now he's good to go you know and and go bear doing just a better job overall of catching passes whether it's lobs or on the roll like think about early in the year how many balls he was fumbling that were passed his way now oh, I know. you know he's catching a lot of those passes no, he was struggling and when he catches those passes with those yep. long arms you know, I mean, he's going to be able to dunk the ball or lay the ball in, right? So something as simple as that, just Rudy Gobert catching passes mm-hmm. has helped this team. Him blocking shots. How many games in a row now is it multiple blocked shots, right? For a while, he was averaging under two blocks a game. Yeah. Yeah. Something as simple as that, right? You know, and I get it. There's more nuance. There's altering shots, you know, the things he does in that regard, or even, you know, causing a turnover, like on Monday against Denver, you know, going back eight days, I was at that game. So it's still in my mind where Jamal Murray late, you know, drives down the lane and Gobert comes over and Murray ends up stepping out of bounds. Right. So technically Gobert didn't alter that shot, but he altered whatever Jamal was thinking in his mind. Right. So there's still that sort of impact, but bottom line, look at the, look at the shots being blocked now by Rudy. I mean, just something as simple as that where he can get to two or three blocks a game. Final scoops, sir. Well, I mean, the Wolves, you know, with the trade deadline, you know, now less than a month away. can't remember if it's February 8th or 9th, but at this point, less than a month away. So, I mean, you know, that's keeping me busy. Not that the Wolves are, you know, on the cusp of anything. Still trying to track who these other investors are with Alex Rodriguez, Mark Laurie, but continue to hear George Hicks a local guy, former Cargill executive, that he's one of three investors joining Mark, joining Alex. So trying to figure out who the other two are, still trying to figure out if the Wolves have any chance to sign Nas Reed or Jalen Noel to an extension. You know, those talks have been ongoing 
for a while, but my sense is neither gets done here anytime real soon. You know, mm-hmm. then just been busy with the Vikings. Had a lengthy chat yesterday with Joe Theismann. Hopefully I can do a new scoop podcast this week, just getting his thoughts on on the Giants game on Sunday, trying to figure out if Garrett Bradbury can be back on Sunday, trying to figure out if it will be Ole Udo at right tackle now that Blake Brandle has has been activated, that window to activate him. You know, I guess not activated, but that 21-day window has been opened after he was on injured reserve, did talk to Blake in the locker room the other day. He's feeling pretty good, but hey, Udo is more a tackle than a guard. I mean, he was forced into playing guard last year. He's not a guard. Right. He's a tackle. I get it. The Giants defensive line is is significantly better than Chicago, but only Udo held his own on Sunday. So I guess I wouldn't be surprised if if it's Udo at right tackle on Sunday. So the Vikings certainly keeping me plenty busy. Great stuff, Dukes. We'll talk to you Thursday again. Thank you. Okay. Take it easy, boys. And on right. Kirk Sharaka. Money, 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 $1.5 million. Uh, Connor Rhoda, who, who I remain in touch with, you know, he played for, for PJ and for Kirk, started some games PJ's first year in 2017. You know, he told me to check on Kirk having a daughter that either just got done with law school on the East Coast, maybe even specifically at Rutgers or still in law school. Plus, Shiraka worked with Shiano going back years. So you combine all that, but $1.5 million, money talks. Plus, Kirk was so tight with Tanner Morgan. Tanner's now gone, right? Now, I didn't necessarily foresee after Sharaka signed the new deal here in the last couple months, you know, to up his salary that he'd now be leaving. But, you know, hearing all this stuff about his ties to the East Coast, his ties to that Rutgers program, to Greg specifically, and the money that Rutgers was willing to pay, I'm not overly surprised. Look for Matt Simon. The Gophers didn't announce this on Monday, but Matt Simon with you know, his play calling experience, not that it's large, but look for Matt Simon to be the play caller. I know it's co-offensive coordinators, but look for Matt Simon to be the play caller. Great stuff, Dukes. Thank you. Okay. Take it easy, boys. Bye-bye.